The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gatton of bleedinggreennation.com. We are recording BGN Radio episode number 102. Not a lot to get to, not a lot of Eagles news, at least. Uh, we have Corey Unwin, who was hired by the Detroit Lions to be their defensive coordinator. It's probably the biggest news that happened since the last time we recorded a pod. Brandon, how are you doing, buddy? Jimmy? Always glad to be with you here. Also glad to see that my pathetic begging for reviews on iTunes. Oh, it worked. Res- it worked. All right. I mean, that's what you have to do. That's how you, what in order to succeed in life, you have Bang. to pathetically beg for <laughs> everything you want. That's that's how I got my job. That's how Jimmy got his job. I'm speaking for him. No, that's that's, that's very much true for sure. There you go. I want to read one here. This is from Skeletor P. Funk. He writes, Jimmy and Brandon are great. Five stars. I haven't had time to listen to the other shows as much, but Jimmy and Brandon are awesome. They are my favorite two Eagles writers, so having them on a show together is great. They are the perfect blend of insightful and entertaining. So, thank you, Skeletor P-Funk. That's that, that guy sounds smart, and I would like to su- subscribe to his newsletter. Agree. <laughs> Any others? Or are you just going to read his? We'll keep it to that for now, but definitely continue to rate and review the podcast. Really helps appreciate it. Look, it's a free podcast. You know, we're not charging you. There's no there's no paywall here. It's free. Uh, and if you want to help support it, and really, if you want to help share it with your fellow Eagles fan friends, that's the best way to do it. Yes. Thank you in advance. All right. So, Corey Unlin, gone. Brandon, good news or bad news? I think it's not as cut and dry as some Eagles fans are making it out to be. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. People are celebrating. (laughs) And and I don't get that. I mean, I get it in the sense of the Eagles defensive backs haven't been great. Yeah. I think you can look at the lack of development of a bunch of players. Sure. Sidney Jones, Rizzo Douglas. And you you can, so there's things to point to. I I get it in that sense. I'm not trying to say that, oh, Corey Unland was a great coach. But this idea that he was the root of all the problems and you get rid of him and that fixes everything. And, like, what are the Lions doing? Like, I don't fully – I'm not fully on board with that. We talked about uh, Unlin in that stay or go thing we mm-hmm. did with the assistant coaches in like, the middle of the season. And I think we both had him stay. Is that right? I absolutely had him staying, for sure. I, I think, think I did, did too. too. Yeah. Yeah, no, so I, I've, always, I've always felt that he's, you know, a good coach. Just, you know, watching him in training camp um, year after year and just knowing how the players feel about him and just knowing his reputation both within the team – and uh, externally around the league, very good reputation. So you know, I don't think they're. I don't think it's necessarily good news. I do under. I do totally understand. You know the the reaction by by the you know the majority of the fan base really was celebrating that he you know became the Lions defensive coordinator and he's now out of Philly. Uh, based on the production from the corners, especially not necessarily the safeties, Malcolm Jenkins and, and Ronnie mm-hmm. Ronnie McLeod are obviously a, a good safety tandem. Uh, but the corners especially have struggled. But for me, it's more of a talent issue at that position than it is a, a product of bad coaching. I agree with that. Although, I guess, again, the things you could point to are like lack of player development, which has been clear. Although, again, I think that like just because Sidney Jones doesn't develop doesn't mean that it's the coach's fault. Right. You know, it could be that he's just not good enough. Like right. that's I think some people kind of miss that sometimes. Like they just they it's like, oh, he's a high draft pick. He must be good. He must, like it's not his fault. Like that's not true. Um, it can be the player's fault. And the other thing I guess you can point to 
is like there, there's been a lot of miscommunication issues, I feel like, in the secondary. Yeah. Kind of for a while now. And that you can maybe put on Onland. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm not trying to say he was the answer. I almost think so. I would guess the Eagles weren't going to fire him. But I also don't think they're devastated he left in this way. Like, I think if they were to get rid of him, this is the perfect way to do it. Like, all right, we didn't have to fire this guy because we liked him. But now he's moving on and we can kind of just hire someone else. Yeah, I think if he were to be fired, he would have been fired along with um, Mike Rowe and, and Carson Walsh. Okay. They would have done all those firings at once. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, on that note, they're going to be needing a new defensive backs coach. They're going to need a new wide receiver coach. And they're going to need, most importantly, a new offensive coordinator. And to date... We are recording this at, right now, the current time is 11.16 a.m. What is it, Wednesday? Wednesday. So, uh, if anything happens after this, my my apologies for being wrong, but there are no reported interviews that have occurred with the Eagles and an offensive coordinator uh, as of yet. I mean, they certainly could have happened, but the Eagles are doing a good job uh, keeping those under wraps for now. There were a couple reports that, in my opinion, are a little uh, alarming. <laughs> <laughs> the first being that uh, Press Taylor was going to be considered for the offensive coordinator job. I know you're not going to like that because, I, and I don't know your thoughts on this, but my assumption is you're not going to like that, Brandon, because it's just another example of promoting from within and you know not sort of casting a wide enough net to, to find the best candidate possible. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't even really thrilled about Press Taylor being back as the quarterback's coach, especially because... I think we both had him going, didn't we, at that time? Mm, probably mid-season uh, and at least that should i know you've been saying that they aren't going to get rid of him it does seem like the team like likes him mm-hmm. and is high on him oh for sure yeah i don't even know if it's about as much as him personally and what like i think i could buy press taylor the offensive coordinator than i could a little bit more than the quarterback coach in terms of like i don't know if him like the schematic things are the problem as much as my biggest gripe is that you know i just don't love this idea of him being this buddy buddy relationship yes. guy with Carson Wentz like that's my biggest issue with Press Taylor this okay, is the first fair. podcast what's that I said okay that's fair uh, I, can, I, can, I first, can buy that thought this is the first podcast we're really doing since uh those firings by the way oh is um, it okay I didn't realize that yeah, we recorded like the day before <laughs> those that happened so okay. for me and then the one thing that has been reported offensive coordinator uh, was from Tim McManus that they are that the candidates two candidates for the job are Kevin McConnell, who was with Washington and has since been hired by the Rams to be their offensive coordinator, and uh, Jim Caldwell, yeah, who was supposed to be like an assistant head coach slash quarterbacks coach with the Dolphins this year, but then had some medical issues and had to kind of step away, and still was with the team in like an uh, offensive assistant capacity, but clearly you know wasn't fully hands on uh, as the in- intended role. And I actually like the Caldwell name a lot there um he's actually like i feel like he, if you look at his track record i think like it's better than the reputation you would think of like jim caldwell i think jim caldwell gets like this bad rap and maybe some of it deserved because i feel like he's probably he was a bit of a dinosaur when he coached like too conservative and yeah. that but when you actually look at like his track record as a head coach his, his teams have been pretty good outside of like you know the the year where they lost peyton manning right in, uh, indianapolis and the quarterbacks who played under him, and you know, again, he's worked. He worked with Peyton Manning, but Peyton Manning had like some of his best years with Caldwell. And Joe Flacco was amazing. He was lights out in in the Super Bowl run. And then even in Detroit, Matt Stafford made his only Pro Bowl, and he went to the playoffs like two out of the three times he's ever gone to the playoffs under Caldwell. So they went eleven and five one year. I remember when uh, that, that, that was the year that uh, they got screwed. By yeah, the officials against the da- against the Cowboys when they called, they actually threw a flag <laughs> for passing interference. <laughs> I forget the linebacker was it Hitchens? Mm, probably. It was a Dallas linebacker got called for pass interference, and it was obvious. Oh, my neighbor's coming over right now. I'm sorry, I'm recording. It's okay. I'll be I'll be over in a little bit. <laughs> bring him on. Bring him on. <laughs> it's my neighbor Kathy. She just texted me. Uh, they're having trouble getting uh, their snowblower working. So oh no! Asked if I could come over and help him fix it, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't cut that out, Michael, please. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, there's obvious defensive pass interference, and they called it, and then they picked it up. Yeah. They picked the flag up. Like, what did you see? The what, <laughs> what did some other referee on the field see? Or some other official on the field see where they're like, no. No, that wasn't pass interference. Isn't, was that when Des ran out too? Yeah, his <laughs> right. He, he ran, like ran off of the, the sideline and was screaming at the official, which was, uh, I think they like enforced that uh, at that time. I'm sure they do now, but you don't really see it. 
but yeah, he ran off the sideline and was screaming at an official that it shouldn't have been pass interference. And the official was like, you know what, Des? You're right. <laughs> let's pick. Let's go ahead and pick that up for you. That should have been a penalty alone, Des doing what he did. <laughs> right, anyway. exactly, yes. Yeah. So anyway, a uh, little side note there. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they were successful. That, that lines were, you know, at least for them, they were successful when Caldwell was there. I have a pull up here now. It was four years there. 11 and 5, 7 and 9. 11 and 5 was 2014. That was his first year there. 7 and 9 in 2015. Uh, 9 and 7 in 2016. And then 9 and 7 in 2017. He got fired after that year. He got fired after a 9 and 7 season. And mm-hmm. um, they've been bad. So, I mean, obviously, the Patricia hire. Is you know not <laughs> in my opinion has not has not been very good. Uh, is there anyone else at offensive coordinator? You yeah, like? so uh, I mean, I know that the fan base is you know the 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 ears perked up a bit when Jaguars moved on from their offensive coordinator John DeFilippo, who of course was the quarterbacks coach during the Eagles Super Bowl run in uh, 2017, um, but and then he went to. Uh, Vikings to be their offensive coordinator got fired there went to Jacksonville got fired there and now he you know is becoming a hot name either as offensive coordinator or if you promote Prestel or maybe he takes a quarterback's coach job I don't know I can tell you right now I'd be stunned if stunned if the Eagles brought back John D. Filippo it's just not it's just not gonna I don't want to say it's not gonna definitely not gonna happen but I would be stunned if they went down that route I agree I think there's like I think when that news drops like it did on our Tuesday here or Monday whenever it was when Flip got let go people were like oh this is the no brainer move like no it's really not that simple I on both sides I don't know how much he wants to come back to Philly I also don't know how much they really want Flip back obviously like he was part of success part of the Super Bowl success not trying to discredit what he did but I just don't get the sense that like either side is necessarily like dying for that reunion right correct well especially on the eagle side <laughs> okay i mean doug, <laughs> doug was asked about him last year after yeah. he got fired by the vikings and he just is like no yeah it's pretty, like, it's pretty lukewarm no. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah all right uh other news items well do you have anything well, else to add on the offensive coordinator search we should talk about deuce that's a big okay, one sure, um yeah. how do you feel about that like the idea of because there there is a, a clamoring from some that they sure. should just hire Deuce as the offensive coordinator. I think his traits as a coach are better served as a head coach. My thing with the Deuce hire is not only the internal promotion idea. Mm, first of all, because yeah. that's like that's a, a weird look. It's like okay, really, like Mike Rowe is the problem. Let's get him out of here and let's just promote this other guy. But like, what is Deuce bringing to the table? that he hasn't already been giving to the team as the offensive coordinator suddenly. Right. Like, what does that change? That's my that's, like, that's where my head is at. Like, is he saving all these good ideas until he became offensive coordinator? Right. And or or is your argument that he didn't have enough power before, which okay, maybe, I guess, but he was like the, he's assistant head coach. Like he and he should already have some kind of big role. I think also, and I think I guess a uh, friend of the podcast, Tommy Lawler is kind of pointing this out too, like I think someone with a quarterback background is probably more ideal as their offensive coordinator. Like, is is Deuce really maximizing Carson Wentz? Like, maybe, but I I don't see how I'm like supposed to figure that out. Like, how am I supposed to really think that? Um, so I agree with you, and it's a tough situation because it feels like you know Deuce has been here. He's the only coach who's been here. Well, he's he's, the, he's been here the longest of anyone on the staff, really, because you know he was here with Andy's uh, staff back in 2012. And lasted through the trip chip years and stayed on with Doug. Like he's put his time in. I think he deserves a bigger opportunity in a vacuum. But in this specific context, like I just don't think it's the right move. I think there's probably a more inspiring uh, external hire you could make an offensive coordinator. I agree with all that. I have nothing to add. Great. Moving on. <laughs> any well, so anyone anyone else you want to cover an offensive coordinator? I mean, there's a bunch of names out there. Uh, I think Caldwell is my favorite, although it might be have to it might have to be more of like a, an assistant thing uh, with the whole uh, like his health situation and all of that. Um, obviously, Joe, Joe Brady is off the table. He got hired by the Panthers. O'Connell, of course. I O'Connell. You know, I, I thought I thought he made some sense. He's gone. I like Jay Gruden. Uh, sure. I've been calling that for since <laughs> he was basically right after he was fired. So there's some veteran names I like out there still. I don't really love the idea of bringing in a like a Marty as much or, or like one of those guys. Uh, I just feel like you could, you could be a little bit more creative than that as opposed to going back to the Andy Reid tree. 
Um, ben McAdoo is out there, Jimmy. They tried to hire him as head coach. So yeah, I can see that. Still impossible. As, as I don't, I've I'm not... said before, he was literally in a limo on his way down from North Jersey to mm-hmm. Philadelphia to sign the papers to be the Eagles' head coach when the Giants, you know, got got a hold of him and you know up the eleventh hour or whatever it was. And the limo turned. They called. They called the Eagles. They were were heading back. <laughs> the limo literally turned around and went back to. And they dropped him off at you know the Giants facilities, and he became their head coach. Did they give That's Doug the story. gift basket that they were going to give to McAdoo? Well, yeah. So they had a they had like a, a you know a gift basket. I think uh, Colleen Wolf uh, from NFL Network tweeted a picture of the gift basket that you know went to Doug, and mm-hmm. um, I had that in one of my Giants dumpster fire pieces one year. That tweet because that mm-hmm. that. That gift basket was indeed earmarked for Ben McAdoo. And I had like a, like a lot of Philly crap in there, like tasty cakes and soft pretzels and that kind of stuff. And it was, <laughs> and it was a gift basket that was all ready to go for, for McAdoo. And then once uh, McAdoo changed his mind and turned that limo around, and, uh, you know, they wound up. I don't think it was immediately they hired Doug. I think they, uh, is that when they moved on to Coughlin, potentially? Yeah. And then eventually they hired Doug. So Doug wasn't even like their second or third choice like he was pretty far down the list but he was kind of lucked out on that one they lucked out on that one in the same way that the cowboys lucked out by drafting Dak prescott that's a good uh comp did you have anything to add on wide receiver coach or defensive back coach now i guess uh there was who had the report where they were looking at maybe uh heinz ward paul domowich or oh right okay and uh engram yeah, I think uh, kind of weird because Ingram doesn't really seem to have like the best track record um, of developing players, and he was moved to tight ends coach this year. All the Ravens tight ends were good, and then Heinz Ward has only been an assistant coach like with the Jets this past year. Like, he is like next mm-hmm. to no experience as a coach. Obviously, a, a great player, tremendous player, yeah, and would be exciting just because of the name power. But like, is he a good coach? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he was always known as a very smart player. Yes, like he wasn't. You know, super physically gifted. He's a third round pick, though. Yeah, he was quarterback in college. Mm-hmm. I mean, the big thing that's going to come out with him, and you know, from the Chip Kelly days, <laughs> they used to talk about how Riley Cooper was such a great blocker, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, that's the big thing that you know Greg Ward was known for over the course of his career. Heinz- lot- oh, sorry, what did I say? Greg Ward. <laughs> yeah, Heinz Ward was known for uh, over the course of his career, and uh, actually, a lot of his blocks were pretty dirty, and he would like. That uh, the blindside block. Yeah. If they had changed that role during Heinz Ward's career, there's mm-hmm. no doubt that somebody would have eventually called that the Heinz Ward rule. Yeah. Because he just laid people out on that kind of block all the time. Him and Golden Tate were uh, were big on that. True. Anyway, and then at, at uh, so I think Sanjay Law still kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. The former okay. Cowboys wide receiver coach. I know everyone's like, oh, but the Cowboys dropped a ton of passes. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how much that is on him. Right. Yeah, they're dropping passes. Like, what, what's what's he going to tell them about <laughs> catching the ball? Stop dropping the passes. <laughs> right. Come on, guys. Uh, yeah. Um, but, like, Amari had a career year under him this Michael year. Michael Gallup has developed hurt. very nicely under there. Gallup, yeah. And then Cobb. Cobb had his best year mm-hmm. since, like, 2015 after sure. kind of having a couple of down years with Aaron Rodgers. Um, so, yeah. So, I think that – and then he, he's a Bob Lamont guy, which is significant because it's the same agent as Howie and Doug. Yep. Um, so, that's one to keep an eye on. And they interviewed him back in 2017 before they chose Mike Rowe. And then defensive backs, I guess, uh, kind of feel dirty for saying this, but another former Cowboys assistant out there is Chris Richard, who was the Cowboys defensive backs coach slash passing game coordinator. Cowboys aren't retaining him reportedly, so that could be an option to look at there. And we mentioned him, I think, on another podcast where he almost got into a fight pregame with Jalen Mills. Mm. You remember that? Or maybe we didn't, maybe I didn't mention that on the podcast. Maybe that was in another conversation with somebody else. Mm. But he got into a fight pregame. With uh, like literally, almost came to like, like a physical fight with mm-hmm. Jalen Mills. I think it was twenty eighteen. It was in Philly. I know that. Well, yeah, he only got hired there. I think what last year. Yeah. Okay. So it was twenty eighteen in Philly. Moving on. Yeah. Harold Carmichael, Hall of Famer. Hey, awesome. Uh, overdue. Eagles all-time leader in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. He actually led the NFL. Did you realize this, Jimmy? I guess I didn't realize this. He led the NFL in all three of those categories from 1973 to 83. Like, was not a passing league in those days. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's it's crazy. 
and for his size too, just like a rare player. I mean, they think he's the tallest receiver to ever play at six foot eight. It's awesome. And by all accounts, like literally everyone I've ever known. He's not, I was just going to say that. I, I'm glad you said it because it'd be more conceited if I said it, but now you said it and now I can enjoy that. Um, but pretty close, basically. Uh, so we're, we're basically the same person, the same player. Yes. Uh, uh, so it's it's awesome. And again, everyone I've ever talked to, like from who's worked for the team or like just in any context who has known him in any capacity has just like nothing but great things to say about. He's around the complex all the time. He's super nice. Yeah. Dude. Just a great guy. Genuine guy. Um, it's awesome. And then, did you see the call? Like, did you see the... Because they put the call out of him getting the call from no. uh, David Baker. Yeah. It's really good. He's just, like... He's just so touched. And, like, it'll it'll make you choke up. Because he's just so genuinely, like, you know, and humbled by it. And it's... That'll be awesome to see. It's, it's great to see. Um, Eagles legend. And, uh, yeah, it's great. It also came out that the Eagles... I mean, we already knew that Amazon, their All or Nothing series, was going to run and cover the Eagles... But now we have a date. Yeah. It's going to be up on February 7th of this offseason. Yeah. In previous years, it didn't come out until the summer, I mm. believe. Uh, but it's coming out earlier this year. And it's coming out, I guess, you know, right after the Super Bowl, which would, for Eagles purposes, be kind of like a dead time of the year. So it's a good time for that to come out. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of see some behind-the-scenes stuff with, uh, uh, you know, how the Eagles 2019 season went. And like as you always see on Hard Knocks and this All or Nothing series, you're gonna like, some people are gonna embarrass themselves, and other people are gonna come off looking pretty good. I'm just terrified that I'm gonna be in the background of one of these shots. And <laughs> make you always dumb. are. I always am for pictures uh, and video. Oh, by the way, I'm you know I'm sure you've seen the picture of you know naked Carson Wentz in the background of a Brandon <laughs> Graham interview, and like my face, my body, you know, I take up like. 30% of that picture, I'd say. It's, a, it's it's mostly of me and Brandon Graham, but then there's Wentz in the background, and that's why everyone's passing around. Um, and I've been sent that thing like well over 100 times. People tagging me on Twitter, sending it to me, like texting it to me, sending it to me on Facebook, like all different kinds of ways this thing has been passed around to me. And uh, I don't know. It's just kind of funny how uh, how that happens. That's awesome. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back, and Brandon and I are going to give our initial top five free agent targets for the Philadelphia Eagles. Back after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 102. Myself, Brandon Lee Gowton, Jimmy Kemsky here with you. Talk some Eagles free agency. Still, you know, not right right around the corner, but it's really never too early to look at some of these free agent targets for the Eagles. I mean, it's not like they have any games to play. Keep us talking about in the meantime. So, Jimmy, how do you want to do this? Yeah, so why don't you just give your five, and then I'll do my five. All right, so let me preface this by saying I didn't even come up with a full five. I only came up with four, and this is why. Because it is so hard. This activity was, like, really hard for me. Like, I couldn't find yeah. players, like, I actually genuinely wanted to add to the team. Okay. We're also, like, realistic, too. I'm not looking at this like, yeah, you just bring in A.J. Green. Like, because right. I don't think that's going to happen. Way. Get him. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'm not looking at that as, like, a realistic option. So, I kind of took at this as uh, a realistic. And even, like, Clowney. Like, I don't think they're adding him. Like, I think they like Brandon Graham. And Derek Barnett a lot. So I don't think and, – and then obviously just what happened with Davion Clowney. Um, so, like, I, it's hard for me to look at some of those and be like – like, if, if this is Madden, yeah, of course I'm signing those guys. But, like, do I think the Eagles are really going to actually sign them? I don't. So uh, – and, and this list, too, is also very, like – it's not, like, exciting in the sense <laughs> right. of – like some of these, I have a couple backups or, like, role players on this list, which isn't, again, the most exciting thing. But I will start – by the way, but a, before we go, with that said, I yeah. do think they're going to spend in free agency this year for two you do. reasons. You did one, say that. one, they have salary cap space. Yes. And then two, they have glaring holes. I agree. And they're going to be losing guys. That they're, they're going to not losing guys necessarily, but they're going to be moving on from guys 
that mm-hmm. have been with the team for a while. Finally, but, this year. But like you you said uh, to me privately, like the free agent class isn't good at spots they need. Correct. Which is part of like the problem. So they have these holes, but it's like, okay, like who are you going to bring in who's really a great fit? So I'll start with Byron Jones okay. from the Cowboys. I know not maybe the most uh, desirable thing after the sign, Eagles <laughs> signed another former Cowboys cornerback. Uh, there's a lot the, of them. There's, I mean, there's a lot of bad examples of just Cowboys in general. Or former division players like Steve Smith, Golden yeah, Tate, right. like adding some. Well, no, Golden Tate went the other way. Sorry, um, but just you know these, uh, yeah, these former division players who come in, at Matt Jones from Washington, who Marco like, Murray, Marco Murray, who just you know, there's a lot of bad examples. Miles so, Austin, but like I've always liked Byron Jones. You know, even going back to the 2015 NFL draft, like I, that's who I wanted the Eagles to draft that year in the first round. I've I've always really liked him. Issue with him only has two interceptions in his career. And he's none since 2017. So this isn't a guy who like makes big plays as much as I think he just, you know, he's really good in coverage. He's not going to allow a lot of things. I think it'd be kind of interesting if they did bring in Chris Richard, because then there you, do, you go. I don't know if those two guys like each other, but if he, they did, then you would have Byron Jones and his former position coach there. Um, I just, I think he would help. And I think the Eagles would kind of have the money to spend on him at corner. And he's only 27. So like I think he kind of just fits realistically like and that's another thing I'm looking at here like I'm not I'm not I'm trying not to look at free agents who are older and are like kind of a one year guy as, as someone who could actually be around for multiple years. What do you think? In the NFL, there used to be a lot of guys that were available after their rookie contracts were over, but there's not as many of them lately in recent years because teams have been have been getting smarter about and sort of keeping the guys that they've drafted. And uh, he's an example of a guy that's going to be available after his rookie contract plus his fifth year option. Because uh, he was a first-round pick, obviously. So yeah, I mean, as as a younger guy or at least youngish guy, he makes you know he's he's a guy that you look at as sort of a long-term answer at cornerback. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the two interceptions, which is weird. <laughs> and he actually didn't have any this year or the year before, so he hasn't had an interception since 2017, which is weird because he does get his hands on a lot of footballs. Mm-hmm. He's got 43 pass breakups in his career. Yeah, so you're, you're eight. 10, 5, 14, and 6 the last five years. And he's crazy athletic. He's like, yeah, like he he absolutely destroyed the NFL combine the year that he came out. Like his broad jump in particular was the best ever at the time, I believe. I mean, he's 6'1, 199, so he's he's good height. Uh, Height. Height. He's 32 inch arms, which is good. Uh, Vertical jump was 44, 44 and a half inches. It's 99th percentile for cornerbacks. Broad jump was 147 inches. Again, 99th percentile. Three cone drill, even for a taller guy, was, was six, seven, eight, which is good. It's 79th percentile. Uh, 20 yard shuttle, 92nd percentile. Uh, 60 yard shuttle, uh, 91, 91st percentile. And then even, he did 18 reps on the bench press. And for a guy that has like longer arms, that's good. Like that's really impressive for a corner. So he's just like a really athletic, uh, physically impressive player from top to bottom. It's, but the only thing, the only thing is, is, like you said, sort of the lack of, of big plays that he's made for the Cowboys. But he's a very good player and is certainly you know uh, an above average starting cornerback that you can feel pretty good about. So I get it. Like I, I get him from uh, from an Eagles interest perspective. I do wonder how much he's going to cost. I think it's going to be a lot. What do you give me? One of your players. All right, so we'll just go back and forth then. I did not yeah. have him on my list because I think he's just going to cost too much. Okay. I have uh, my number one guys, and this is boring because you know they've had interest in him before, but it's Robbie Anderson. Yeah, Jets that's something I try not to do too, just to be. And I, I guess I, <laughs> right. I saw him in yours too, and I just I don't want to do like the guys who. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. But, but he makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. I, I I wrote my I you know have three of the guys that aren't going to be on my list. I wrote uh, I published Wednesday morning. Um, but Robbie Anderson makes a lot of sense because his numbers are actually pretty good. He, he's been a, a contributor since rookie year. He was undrafted in 2016. Uh, I found this stat, you know, since, since 2016, there are only seven receivers. 2016 is rookie year. There are only seven receivers who have over 200 catches and over 14.5 uh, yards per catch. And here are those names. Julio Jones, Mike Evans, T.Y. Hilton, Tyreek Hill, Brandon Cooks, Marvin Jones, and Robbie Anderson. So that's good company to be in. Uh, can take the top off of defense, solves a lot of the Eagles' speed issues. And you know what? If Deshaun Jackson can play a little bit, 
in 2020, they would play the same position. But, you know, maybe not the worst thing to have two speed guys on the field, especially when you're, run a, when you're primarily going to run more than likely a two tight end offense. You, you know, it opens up the middle of the field for those guys, opens up the run game a lot. But I think, you know, whether no matter what you think of Deshaun Jackson, and in my opinion, I don't think you should even consider Deshaun Jackson as part of the plan at all. Anything he gives you, you should kind of view as a bonus, in my opinion, heading into this offseason. Uh, but even if he does play, I think you just, I think Robbie Anderson or fill in the blank, another speed guy makes a lot of sense for this team. I agree uh, with your thinking. I think Robbie is going to cost a lot. Like, I, think, I, do I, think teams, I think teams are going to be like hot. I think, so I think yes. someone's going to pay more than the Eagles, especially because the Eagles are still paying all this money to Alshon, no matter what they do with him and um, Deshaun still. Along those lines, and someone who I think could be cheaper, but still makes sense, is Brashad Perriman. Yep. Former 2015 first-round pick. The Eagles actually worked him out, and they signed Jordan Matthews instead. Great call. Really good call. <laughs> um, you know, it always works yeah. out. Uh, Andy well, Wydell. That, that was last year. Last year that they did that, or this year? Yeah, early in the season during the 2018. Yeah, okay. season, he ended up signing with the Browns instead, where he averaged 21.3 yards per reception. And this was a bit of a smaller sample size, but still. Uh, and then he had 17.9 uh, this year in Tampa Bay, and he had like over 600 yards. Uh, this is a you know former first round pick. He was selected by. The, the Ravens and Andy Wydell, who's the Eagles vice president of player personnel, basically plays Joe Douglas's role. Um, so th- there's that connection there. Uh, and I don't know. I think he might resign in Tampa because like he, he finally had his first success there and he feels like, you know, that could be a good home for him. But I feel like, you know, he could be a little bit more affordable than a Robbie Anderson and kind of gives you some of that deep speed still. So I was going in that direction. But who do you have? Well, on Perryman, was Perryman a guy that, that the Browns, they re-signed him this offseason. They traded for OBJ, and then Perryman was like, "Yeah, I think get, you're right. Let me out of my deal." <laughs> yeah, I think and then you're they right did, and then he, he became a free agent, and he uh, and he signed, you know, uh, with the box. I think so. Yeah. So my next guy would be linebacker extraordinaire from the Rams, and this will be another expensive guy too, Corey Littleton, hmm. another undrafted guy in 2016, just like Robbie Anderson, made a Pro Bowl as a special teams guy. Was a special teams guy for the first two years. Played a little bit in the regular defense those two years. Became a starter in 2018. And he's been awesome. Like <laughs> He's just a really good player. He had 125 tackles in 2018. 134 this last year. So those two years combined, he had 259 tackles. That's the sixth most uh, during that span in the NFL. Uh, among linebackers, that is. And then he had what the Eagles really prioritize in their linebackers are, you know, linebackers who can cover. And he has 22 pass breakups the last two years, which is the most in the NFL among linebackers. And then on top of that, he has five block punts in, in his career. You know, you remember that's the days a lot. When, it is. You remember like the days when Brian Brayman um, didn't necessarily always get the block punt, but you could kind of look at the film and uh, sort of recognized that he was the reason that they blocked punts. The one year they, what would they have? Like four block punts the one year, the Eagles? 2014, yeah. And uh, he was a big part of all those. So uh, they haven't had that kind of presence in a long time. Uh, he bring, he gives you that on special teams. And he's just a really good you know linebacker across the board. Good athleticism, good athleticism a, little, a little bit undersized. He's 6'3", 228. It's good height, so he can cover tight ends. Uh, but a 225, a little, little little light, but I think that's okay because, you know, I think the number of tackles that he has <laughs> sort of speaks for itself. He's a good blitzer. He has seven and a half sacks the last two years, five interceptions the last two years, you know, some forced fumbles, some fumble recovery. So he seems to always be in the right spot. Just a really good player. I, again, I think he's going to cost a lot, but I think he fits perfectly with what the Eagles look for in a linebacker. And what are you assuming here? What happens in terms of like Nigel Bradham and everything? So I think you can keep Nigel still. I don't know what they're going to do with him, but he would play the other position. He'll play the other. He'll play basically like the Nate Gary position, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't take him off the field. I have the Eagles going for Nick Kwiatkowski. He's on my uh, he's on my list too, and it's okay. because of, it's because of your y'all. I'm sure you'll get to this, but <laughs> I'll mention it for you. I looked at like so Brandon. If, if you guys don't know, he's like the preeminent pre-draft visit tracker and not only visit tracker but also tracks uh 
I guess, uh, every private workout that the Eagles do with uh, prospects, every, um, uh, I guess, everyone that, that they talk to, either at the Shrine Game or the Senior Bowl. Uh, what are the other things that, that you look for there every year? Uh, just rumors, uh, workouts, any of that stuff. Uh, and, yeah, he, he checked the box pro on days. pro days. He, he checked the box on pre-draft visit, Senior Bowl meeting, Pro day attendance and individual workout. Uh, so they showed a lot of interest in him prior to the, what was that, 2016 NFL draft there? Yeah. And you know what? That's a great year to look at, too, by the way, because it's the, it was before they hired Joe Douglas. So right, any, yeah. anyone that they, anyone that they brought in for visits that year, Howie liked him. <laughs> okay. Yes. So like Howie had interest in, in those players that they, that they brought in that year. They definitely were not Joe Douglas guys because he wasn't there yet. Very true. Uh, so he's more of a Tom Donahoe guy, you could say. Okay, and he's still there too. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's that's the point. Um, yeah, so they showed a lot of interest in him. He's a decent athletic profile. Uh, if you look at his spider chart on Mock Draftable, he has you know been in a situation where he hasn't like been that full time starter for the Bears. Uh, his most starts were this past season with eight. So like I feel like okay, you know, looking for a little bit of a bigger role could sign in Philly where they had interest in him before he is still uh, only 26 years old. So I just, I feel like that's kind of a fit there and I don't really know what's going to happen with Nigel Bradham. I guess he'll be back, you know, Schwartz is back and Schwartz likes Nigel a lot, but uh, they probably have to add a linebacker still, especially, you know, Kamu's going to be a free agent. I think Nate Gary ideally isn't a full-time starter for you as much as he's more of a role player and a, a rotational kind of guy. Uh, yeah, so I would keep an eye on him as well. There was one game I watched this year. I don't remember who they were playing, but Romo and Nance were doing the game, and Romo could not stop praising Kwiatkowski. Mm-hmm. There was one play I remember this year. I don't remember who the running back was, but Kwiatkowski just he was blitzing, and he just ran his ass over. Like <laughs> it was. I don't remember who it was, but it was embarrassing for that running back. Uh, I mean, that's not, you know, a great reason to give him big money in free agency, but he is a pretty well-rounded linebacker. I had him, in, I had him, I have him as third on my list after Robbie Anderson and Corey Littleton. I think linebacker yeah. is, is sort of like, is one of the maybe stronger positions in this free agent mm-hmm. class, but sort of like off the radar guys. Big hat tip to friend and loyal listener of the podcast, Dan Klausner. Big, big, uh, he, he's a big Nick. Oh, is he? Nick. Okay. Kwiatkowski guy. So and he's a and he's a West Virginia guy too, which they've obviously had interest in, maybe wrongfully. <laughs> I mean, their West Virginia uh hit rate has not been good with Wendell Smallwood. Uh I think we can, you know, maybe say that Rizul Douglas wasn't the best pick at this point. Shelton uh, Gibson. Shelton Gibson, yep, is another one. So yeah, they they got the wrong guy that in that draft. Uh all right, so he was my number three. I, I had okay. for fourth, I had Rashad Perryman. So you oh, already so you mentioned him? Okay. Yeah. So who, nice. who do you have for? I have a... Who's your last guy? Kind of, kind of a backup here. Uh, well, I, I did four, then I put a couple of names like that didn't quite make the list because I was like, who who would I even have as a fit? So my fourth guy is Adrian Waddle. Okay. Uh, off, offensive, offensive tackle. Offensive lineman. Swing tackle. Uh, well, he also, he played, I believe, in high school at guard. So he has okay. some guard experience in his in his repertoire. Uh, has played both, yeah, at left tackle and right tackle. He's only 29 in July. He actually started eight games for Jim Schwartz's Lions back in 2013, mm, early right. on in his career. Uh, I, I think that's kind of an underrated need. Was is, he with the Bills this year? Uh, I believe so, because he's with the Patriots before that. Uh, it's kind of an underrated need for the Eagles because you have Big V, who's leaving in free agency, pretty sure about that. Jason Peters obviously isn't going to be back. So, like, who's your top swing tackle behind Lane Johnson, who, by the way, is one suspension from missing 32 games, and <laughs> right. Dillard, you know, who can only play left tackle, apparently, and, you know, is still young and inexperienced, uh, and didn't have, I wouldn't call him injury prone, but he had a little couple nick-ups thing. He got, like, banged up a little bit at times last year. So, they're going to need depth there. Uh, Big V has obviously been a really valuable piece for them to just be able to plug in the lineup over these past few seasons now. So I think that's a considerable need. And otherwise, like, who is it going to be? Are you going to trust Matt Pryor to do that? Um, like, we maybe he can play guard. We've seen him do that. But is he is he going to be as effective as tackle? And then Jordan Mailata ideally would, like, fill in that role. But he's, you know, he's still very much a wild card. Yeah. And 
he's been placed on IR with back injuries, which isn't great right. the past two years. So like yeah. you can't count on him as a sure thing. So I think um, not the again not the most like sexy name in terms of like no one's going to be thrilled or even excited about that. And maybe he doesn't even make the team uh, depending on how the deal goes. But yeah, I would I would target him as well. Yeah, I would think that they're probably more likely to draft a tackle, but okay. I could see that. I mean. If you're gonna if you're gonna spend a, to you know bring in a guy like Adrian Adrian Waddle, how much more is Big V gonna cost to just keep him? Well, I, I think Big V's gonna want a starting role too, though. That's the thing. Like, I think he's. Do you think he'll get one? I yeah, I okay. do. There has to be someone out there. there there's there's not a, enough good tackles in the league. I feel like for Big V to not get a, a starting legitimate starting job somewhere, whereas Waddle. I think is more kind of maybe accepting that backup role. That's probably what more realistically he is. So my fifth guy, who is the third one on the list of the thing that I published Wednesday morning and only made it because two guys ahead of him, I already had their positions. So I had Robbie Anderson in my post. So I didn't put Brashad Perryman in there. And then I had Corey Littleton. So I didn't put, excuse me, uh, Kwiatkowski in there. Sneak preview on version 2.0. Perryman and Kwiatkowski are going to be on there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Whenever that comes out. Uh, but my fifth guy would be Chris Harris. Um, and, yeah. you know, I don't love that, but they had interest in him, reportedly, at the trade deadline. And, um, I mean, he does make sense because you look at the Eagles secondary and they got a – they have, you know, their two starting outside corners and Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby are both unrestricted free agents. Um Ryan McLeod is an unrestricted free agent. Malcolm Jenkins is going to be an unrestricted free agent in 2021. But beyond that, he has already stated that he's not going to play um, this season on his current deal. Their safeties, I'm, and you might be asking, what do they have to do with Chris Harris? I guess the point that I'm trying to make here is that all four of the Eagles starters in their secondary are going to require new deals if they're going to be playing for the Eagles this year. So they need, they need guys. And um, depending on how that goes, I think that, a veteran in this case, like I think they really do need to get start getting away from signing all these older guys. But in, in this case, I think a veteran is maybe not the worst idea. And Harris can still play; he's versatile that he can play inside and outside. Uh, he's short; he's five ten, but he's been able to overcome that by playing on the outside and playing well there over the course of his career. So, if there's one spot where I do think it's acceptable to sign an over-30 guy, which is what he is now. Although I will note, he's played nine years in the NFL. He's only missed five games in his entire career, so he's very durable. So it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, the concern is maybe necessarily that he's not going to be able to get through a season like it is with some of these older guys. Um, I think he does make sense uh, as an older guy that you might find at that position. Yeah, I can see it. The only other name that I had like in this group of names who didn't quite make the list because it's just like, do I really like this? Like, Is, is Darquez Denard? Um, you know, from the Bengals, yep. former first round pick, like maybe you take a chance on a guy like that, um, you know, who, who just has talent. But, like, I don't love it. Uh, I mentioned A.J. Green earlier. Again, he's going to be 33. He's coming off injury. Emmanuel Sanders, I think, is a Trey really good Wayne's. player. Uh, I've, I've never, like, been the biggest Trey Waynes fan. He was a first round pick. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think he's actually as good as people, like, think he is. Like, I think the idea of Trey Waynes is, like, better than actually Trey Waynes is. Um, so, I don't know. And obviously the Vikings kind of think that too, right? They didn't really pick up his option, or they're no. The, not... He did play on his fifth year option, but okay, he's but they be didn't extend the free agent yeah. this offseason. They're, they're, yeah, they they drafted other guys, so they drafted um, Mackenzie yeah. Alexander and uh, I forget the other guy's name, but oh, they have Xavier Rhodes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Hughes, yeah, he's, Mike Hughes, that's it. Yeah, so he's he's you know they don't really have a place for him in, in the offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, I, I but that you can throw that guy in the same mold. <laughs> Yeah, you could go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say like you can put that guy in the same bucket to me as like a Denard or like Trey Wayne, whatever. Like one of those former first round pick talented corners that were in 2015. That's really about it. I I really don't love this free agent class at all. Yeah, (laughs) it's not not great. You can find I think a couple good signings here, but like clearly like the Eagles can't be looking at this free agent class and like oh you know all our problems are solved now. We've signed these free agents and they're and they're great. Like uh, they're gonna need to supplement this very much like with the draft i mean there actually are some like huge names in free agency but they're like quarterbacks and they're probably, you know those guys are probably gonna get tagged and there are other guys that you know other bigger names that, that are gonna get tagged too i mm-hmm. think we kind of prefaced your picks as guys who are realistic and i think we both also pick guys that are not going to get tagged right for sure 
All right, so let's take one more break, and then we'll come back, and we'll just do a little quick stay or go. We already mentioned a couple guys uh, on the pod already, but uh, you know we'll, we'll do a quick stay or go on the offensive side of the ball on some guys who are questionable whether they'll be back with the team in 2020, right? Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 102. Brindley Gowton, Jimmy Kemsky here with you to talk some quick stay or go with some of these Eagles upcoming, not all free agents, but some uh, some players who, okay, well, I'll just let you do it, Jimmy. Yeah, what so I, I, I've, I've done stay or go uh, posts every day, almost every day uh, mm-hmm. for the last week, or two, week, week and a half, whatever. Um, and here are some of the guys that, you know, could kind of go either way. And I'm just curious what your perspective is on them. Nate Sudfeld. I think he stays. I think so, too. I think he's their number two next year. Is he? Re- he's not going to have a market. I think he could look at this place as the best option in terms of, like, he knows that Carson isn't always, you know, on the field. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I think they, I I think think they keep can... him, and I think they draft a three. Again. Oh, I think boy. they go the, the, the Clayton Thorson, uh, the Clayton Thorson route. <laughs> not a Kyle Laletta fan over there? <laughs> no. I like uh, Kyle Laletta. It's possible. I like him. It's possible. Uh, I mean, I've never next... seen him. I've, I've never seen him, like, he wasn't there in training camp. So I've he no... was good in the preseason for the Giants, though. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've no, I, I've never seen him in in person. So I have, and I didn't, I didn't watch Giants preseason games. So I'm like, staking I my claim right now. He's going to be great this offseason. <laughs> Nate Stanley from Iowa. That's my Eagles quarterback draft pick. Hmm. Um, anyway, uh, Jordan Howard. I think he goes. Yeah. Okay. Why is that? I I think he's going to find a place with a bigger role. I like when you look at his workload. I know there's the idea, and probably your idea, that like, his market isn't going to be great, and maybe that ends up being true. But I just feel like, like when you look at his touches before this year, you know, he's up there, and we've talked about this. Like he's up there with like Zeke and all these mm-hmm. guys who like touch the ball so much. Like, so is he really all of a sudden just going to be like the backup to Miles Sanders? Like, I think I think he finds work elsewhere, and I think the Eagles bringing in Elijah Holyfield isn't like a slam dunk Jordan Howard replacement, but I think that's kind of, they were hedging against that at the very least. Here's, here's the counterpoint that I would make. How many teams in the NFL don't have a good, at least one good running back? I honestly don't know. I don't, <laughs> I can't tell you either way. There aren't that many. <laughs> okay. So I think no matter where he looks, there probably isn't a huge role for him anywhere. Hmm. I think they'll be able to bring him back. So we differ on that one. Mm-hmm. Alshon. I can't see how he's back. I can't either. He's got to go. Like, how do you bring that guy back into the fold of given all of what happened? Although how he was pretty, what do you think of how he's answered last week? Cause he was like, he, he was quick to point out like that. Alshon has been, uh, you know, a valuable member of the team or whatever. He, he went out of his way to defend him. I feel like a little I, bit. I think that Alshon Jeffrey has an agent and I think mm-hmm. that the Eagles need to continue to be able to make deals with Alshon Jeffrey's agent for other players. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't want to trash Alshon Jeffrey publicly. We have to talk them up nice and nice, and then mm-hmm. whenever they dump them, they dump them. Okay. There's no need. There's there's nothing to, to gain by trashing Alshon Jeffrey publicly. It's just right, but he wasn't even lukewarm on him. But yeah, I get you. I understand. Well, he he. I mean, he didn't commit to bringing him back. That's true. He said they have decisions to make on you know everyone or whatever. But I'm with you that you can't bring him back. It's been two years in a row where he trashed the quarterback to a national <laughs> reporter. He can't have him back. Or at least allegedly, even if he didn't, like the perception is that he is like, that's. Yeah, I, I just don't think you can bring it back. And obviously the cap hit is going to be huge. I think if you're the Eagles, you already kind of know if you're going to be able to trade him along with an asset to some other team just to get the cap hit down 10 million bucks. The cap hit's going to be huge either way. And if you can't find anyone that is, you know, willing to engage in that kind of conversation with you, because the salary is going to be like 10 million, which some team would have to take that on. Or no, I guess not because it's guaranteed. If a team were, were to trade for him, you know they know he's injured and he might not be ready for the for the start of the regular season. So I think that's pretty unlikely that anyone's going to trade him, even if you had sent him along with an asset. I think mm-hmm. it's pretty unlikely that you trade him. So if you kind of get the sense that you know nobody's going to be interested in him, do you just get rid of him now? Like do you even wait? Wait till when? Till whenever? Or do you just rip off the band aid now? Like how soon is now? I don't know before free agency. I guess great podcast. <laughs> I would just I would just get him out. I, I I would I would just get him out. They did that with Riley Cooper. They released him. I remember like pretty early in the offseason. They've done that with a few different guys. That, I mean, they did that with him. Like that was more of like I think the fan perception of that was like a GTFOH kind of situation. Whereas yeah. like you know other guys, they you know it was just obvious they you know they weren't going to 
be able to get anything for them or you know salvage any kind of savings or whatever. Like um, Leotis McKelvin, they cut. I remember before. Um, yes. Uh, the start of free agency. Not, not he wasn't like a bad guy, or there was like nothing wrong with him. Um, An entertaining guy. Yes, I like Leotis. Leotis was a good guy. Same. Um, Long time listeners of BGN Radio will know that Leotis McKelvin is my guy. Oh, is he on internet? Why is he your guy? <laughs> I, don't, I just because he had like a really good day in OTAs, and then like when he was he was first on the team, and I was like, he might be good this year. I don't know. Like <laughs> he's showing a little something. He had his moments. He also had some very yeah, terrible moments, a, but you know, yeah. uh-huh. whatever. Anyway, I remember Leotis. I remember the Leotis McKelvin era fondly. Yeah, but not on the field, just off the field. Right. All right. So here's one that. Uh, I mean, he's going to be back in camp, but Greg Ward, I said, you know, in my stare go series, I was like, yeah, you know, I'll be back in camp and I'll have a chance to make the team again. Or people were like furious. <laughs> like, I was like that lukewarm on him. Like, they were like, he's going to be back. Of course he's going to be, he's going to be on the team. I don't see him as a lock to be on the team. Do you? I don't think he's a lock. Jimmy, let me read you here. That Greg Ward had 9.1 yards per reception. Okay. That ranked 93rd out of 102 wide receivers who saw at least 20% of their team's targets. It's actually worse than Nelson Aguilar's mark of 9.3 yards per reception. Yeah. Now, that's not everything. Like, part of the, part, there's context involved in there. Like, the Eagles were, I feel like, you know, the offense they were running at the end of the year involved such a, you know, quick passing game, these short routes and stuff it wasn't like they were asking greg ward to be this you know weapon down the field it's not like he got a ton of those opportunities right. part of what he is good at is getting open over the middle in those shorter situations yep. so i'm not trying to like hold this all against him and saying he shouldn't be back for sure but like i don't think he did enough to clearly just be like a lock on the team i think he's in good position to make the team but i don't think he's a lock to make the team i think he exceeded expectations at the end of the year and i think you know he deserves credit for that for sure and I think that when it comes time to cut your roster down to 53 players, you certainly remember what he did for the team in 2019. You don't go into training camp thinking that, you know, he's some kind of legitimate answer at slot receiver. Like, come right, on, yeah, like, really? Like, no questions asked. Like, all right, well, Greg Ward's here. We're set. Yeah. Like, he, okay, he, you know, he did some nice things for you, but he's still got to earn his way on the roster again. I agree. Right? All right. Yeah. I'm glad you agree. And then the last two you already mentioned, but uh, Jason Peters. I think we're both on the same page. It would be insane Gone. if he's back. Like, it would be like, <laughs> like I, w- I would kill them. Everyone, I, we'd all kill them for that. Like, and we should. Like, they draft. They not only did they draft Andre Dillard, they traded up to draft Andre Dillard, who can only play right tackle or sorry, left tackle. By the way, it's not even like he's versatile at all. And you can miss me with this. Oh, the, the you know, bringing Jason Peters back as a guard. Like, that's not going to happen. Because first of all, I think they like Samalo enough not to displace him. And second of all, like, I don't think Jason Peters actually wants to play guard. I think he still thinks he can play tackle. So if Peters is back, and I love JP, like this, I, I so I don't love saying this because like I don't I'm not trying to like hold this against his legacy, but I, I just can't see how he's back. Like how how could it happen, Jimmy? How could he be back? Have you given given any thought to where he could land if he does if you know if he does play another year and some team signs him? I haven't, but I think it's entirely possible because you look at like Andrew Whitworth. Oh, he's no somebody, somebody's going to sign him. If, if like the Eagles don't bring him back and he wants to play yeah. another year, one hundred percent somebody's going to sign him. He's better than you know he's still better than half the starting left tackles in the NFL, or at least he was last yeah, I mean, year. Whitworth played forever with the Bengals, and then you know like the Rams signed him. Yeah, so whole I don't know where. I mean, maybe the Giants could sign him. They should. Can they get out of that solder deal yet? Uh, probably not. But they. I can't imagine him should. going somewhere where he knows that you know they're they're not going anywhere. And he's. They, I mean, the Eagles have beaten the Giants so many times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think he's even said like that's not even a rivalry. Like, yeah. I think he personally has even said that. Like, he's, <laughs> like them in Washington, they they're like they're like nothing to him because mm-hmm. they never give him any. You know, they haven't given him good games. So I think he's probably. I think, I think he's going to go to a contender. Seahawks. Dwayne Brown's still there, right? Yeah. Uh, Big V. I don't think there's any ways. Well, maybe that's too uh, declarative. Uh, I really do not think he will be back. I think someone at least gives him, if not an outright starting job, like a like he's in a competition to start at the very least. ESPN put out like their top fifty uh, free agents. I forget mm-hmm. who did it. It was it was a weird. It was kind of like. I disagree with like a lot of the rankings in it. They had like Corey Littleton, for example, in the forties, and that's nuts to me. Like I think he's like you know top twenty at least. Uh, anyway, they had Big V 
not in the top 50, but they had like, you know, sort of like an honorable mention after there after. Yeah. And he was in there. So they had him in like their top 60. I don't see that. Like, I don't see, I don't see him like being that high on the list of, of team's interest. Though, um, you know, there, like I mentioned when I just said Jason Peters is still better than half the team's left tackles in the NFL. I mean, offensive tackles are pretty bad position league-wide. I mean, I felt like all season long when I was writing, you know, five matchups to watch, there was always teams that had, you know, problematic offensive tackle spots. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a chance to be a starter somewhere. I want, And you look at, like, uh, the 2019 free agency class. Who's the guy that was on Washington that signed somewhere else? That was Hi, Yes. Good pull. Boom. Thank you. He signed with the Bills. He signed with the Bills, and they gave him pretty decent money. They gave him enough money where he qualified as, or he, he's projected to qualify as like a fifth or sixth round comp pick. So um, I don't, and I don't think he started, or I don't think they even viewed him as a as a starter necessarily when they signed him because they signed like a lot of offensive linemen. I guess to all compete, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, I could see Big D getting at least that kind of deal. So I, I, I'm with you. I think he goes. But I don't think it's a total slam dunk that he won't be back. But again, I do think that he will move on. So looking at the NFL playoffs, Jimmy, which we have the championship games coming up this weekend, this Sunday. You have written here in the show notes, a little inside baseball, I guess you could say. All the least palatable? Palatable. Palatable? Why am I saying it? Palatable. <laughs> palatable teams. teams. Like the, 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 the biggest Eagles enemy teams. Like if you're an Eagles fan, the teams that like you would like you root for to lose, mm-hmm. they're all out. They're all gone. Patriots, Saints, Seahawks, Vikings, all gone. And then obviously none of the NFC East teams, other than the Eagles, made the mm-hmm. playoffs, so they're kind of leg up on. So if you're if you're like a hater of other teams around the league, you know, despite the Eagles being gone, this uh, the NFL playoffs this year, not so terrible. I think they've been pretty enjoyable from even the hater point of view. <laughs> and even just not like even just not from that i think the games have been pretty good overall yes. even if they haven't been super close like the chiefs the comeback like that wasn't close of a game but it was still like super compelling it was crazy you the never, wild card round was nuts and, yeah except for the eagles game yes basically, which, which obviously got yeah. ruined because of a of a garbage and, and Connie didn't even get fined for it which mm-hmm. is just incredible incredibly stupid but yeah so I, I think it's been a good entertaining playoffs overall how would you rank the teams to me left in terms of likability? Uh, the Chiefs, the Titans, the Niners, and the Packers. Yeah, so I'd like to see Andy get one. So I'd have the Chiefs one. And then mm-hmm. I'd have... Uh, I enjoy watching the Titans. It's a fun team. I agree. Yes. They're old school. And like you'd think that like you know that's not fun. But when it's gone for a little bit, <laughs> like when teams kind of move away from a certain style of play... Like, I like watching Derrick Henry run. Seeing people try to tackle him in the open field is just like, (laughs) he's so, he's just like so huge and he has like all this momentum going behind him. He's like just running. He's just like a train. It's awesome. Earl Thomas was talking smack about him prior to the game. And then he like, yeah, he looked like, I mean, uh, Derrick Henry like gave him a double stiff arm. (laughs) Basically just pushing him down the field. That was, uh, so anyway, yeah, Titans, I, I like watching them. And then uh, thereafter, I would have the Packers ahead mm. of the 49ers. Why don't you like the Niners? It's not that I don't like the Niners. Again, like I, all the all the teams that like, if, if you're an Eagles fan, all the teams that like you really wouldn't want to keep advancing, they're all gone. So like, I don't have anything against the 49ers necessarily, but like, I'm just, and I'm taking this from like an Eagles fan perspective. So like, if you look at what the Packers have done in like the last you know half decade or so, they have eliminated. A lot of like hateable teams from an Eagles perspective. Yes, they well, I mean, they beat the Cowboys twice. They beat them in the Dez dropped it game, and then they beat them when uh, when uh, the the Cowboys got the, first uh, one, year. the one seed. Yeah, when they were what thirteen and three. Yeah, ah, there it is. All right, twenty fourteen Dez dropped it game. Mm-hmm. Twenty fifteen they beat Washington mm-hmm. when they when they won the division that one year. I don't even remember that year. Twenty fifteen. How did they win the division? What did the they do that? Bad. Because the Eagles yeah. were just bad. 2016, they beat the Giants in the wild card round. And then the next week, they beat the Cowboys, and the you know Cowboys were one and done. And then just you know a few days ago, they beat the Seahawks. Yep. So if like you know the Eagles aren't able to get the job done against certain teams, the Packers have done it for them. Go Pack, go. Yeah. 
Who do you have in the who, championship who, games? Well, who, who would uh, what would oh, your what would your ranking be? Yeah, I agree. I I mean, come on, Andy, it's time. Just do it already. Like it does, it's not going to get any easier than this, Randy. It just feels like just do it. Like <laughs> yeah. it's crazy that he hasn't been back to the Super Bowl since two thousand four. Like I I knew that obviously in my mind, but I looked that up like recently, and I was like, really? Like yeah. come on, like just do it. Stop being a coward, Andy, and win the Super Bowl. Come they, on. they get in because the Dolphins, or not, not get in, but they get the they get a buy mm-hmm. because the Dolphins beat the the Patriots week seventeen, and then they get Houston. Oh, Houston, right? They, that's a that, that's a that's a bad team, by the way. Yeah, they're a fraud team. <laughs> like they're not good. So that wow. was a that was a gift matchup, and they almost blew it. But that was a gift matchup, and then they get. I mean, Titans again. They're fun to watch, but come on, like take care of that team, really. Like that's the team that you got to beat to get into the Super Bowl. Then that reminds me a little bit of like it seemed like a like a slam dunk that the Eagles are going to get into the Super Bowl. <laughs> like like the Buccaneers coming in, they'd never won a game that like in, in yeah. sub forty degree weather. And then the next year, like the Panthers, you're like, oh well, they're definitely going to beat them. And then mm-hmm. no. So I wonder if this is another one of those coming down the pike. They, well, they got to take care of business against that team, right? Well, I think the way the Titans play is probably the best way to combat the Chiefs yeah, in terms maybe. of like keeping them off the field. Ball contr- yeah, this ball control offense. I think the defense is like plays pretty well enough, at least. Like, I think they're they'll give a good effort. Sure, they're not. I don't think they're going to get absolutely shredded. Like, I think Ray, again, I like Vrabel. I think the Titans are going to come to play and along those lines. Like, I'm. I think I'm a courageous enough to take the Titans seven and a half uh, with the points. I'll take the Chiefs to win, but I, I will take the points in this game. I think the the Titans, like, continuing to sleep on them might not be the best idea. So they had two straight road games. That's tough to play a third in a row. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, it's their fourth straight road game now. Yeah. Because they went to Houston Week 17 yep. at the Patriots, at the Ravens. By the way, you know, you play the Patriots in the first round. I don't think the Patriots were really good anymore. But still, you, you know, the, the mystique of that team, you beat them and then you beat, like, Clearly the best team in the NFL. Well, I kind of had the Saints <laughs> as the best team in the NFL. That was wrong, clearly. But, you know, them aside, I, you know, I would have, the Ravens right there, too, is the best team in the NFL. They get through them. Now they got to go they to Kansas City. They just bullied them. It wasn't even like they got yes. through them. Like they dominated <laughs> right. them. Right. So their path to the to the Super Bowl, if they were to make it there, is really difficult. Yeah. The Super Bowl itself might be their easiest game, you could argue. Whoever they play, the Packers or Niners. Could be. So uh, I have the Chiefs. Um, okay. In the NFC, I have the Niners. You have the nine and covering the seven and a half. Yeah, I think they cover that. Yeah, I, I do too. I think I still don't fully like buy the. I know Rodgers can be awesome. I don't know. I just I still don't fully buy the Packers either, which is I guess a weird thing to say. But Ty- I think the Niners spread is like seven two, right? They're both seven and a half. Okay, I think the, I think the Chiefs cover that too. And obviously, the Chiefs beat uh, Kansas City in Kansas City earlier this year. Mm-hmm. It was on a blocked field goal at the end, ultimately, but still. And then the Packers got destroyed by the, the, the 49ers on either Sunday Night Football. Right. Yeah, it was Sunday Night Football. It'll be good. I, I In my opinion, I think Championship Weekend is like my favorite weekend of football. I think it provides the best games. Like the Super Bowl to me is like usually worse than yes. – I think Championship games are so much better because there's – there's like more at stake in terms of like the pressure of going to the Super Bowl, and also just because the teams play in the same conference, so there's some history there. Like the Super Bowl is some interconference game between these opponents that might not really have any like of a history, like the you know, or, or much of a connection or, or rivalry in a lot of cases. I just think I, I think Championship Weekend is the best. Right, it's not like Celtics Lakers back in the day. Yeah. So uh, I, I'll slightly disagree. I think the best weekend of football. Is the one that we just had is the, the divisional round because you get two days okay. and the two days of back to back games. But I will say that the championship round is the best you know single day of football. Okay, I agree myself. <laughs> um, anything else to me? Any final thoughts here before we close up? Uh, I have none. Uh, do you want to set the stage for what you've got coming up because we got Senior Bowl coming up, right? I do, yeah. I have so leaf at the Senior Bowl on Monday. Okay. I was going to do maybe a little bit of a Senior Bowl preview, but uh, I have done nothing so far. So, <laughs> so that's not ready. But uh, I have sort of looked at prospects all year. I know a lot of them are going to the Senior Bowl. Uh, yeah, that'll be fun. And they have ten picks projected for now uh, in the twenty twenty draft. So you know the Shrine Game and the Senior Bowl and all that stuff are a little bit more relevant this year than they maybe have been in previous years. 
Um, although I guess last year around this time they were projected to have like nine picks, right? Mm-hmm. We'll see if they make all those ten picks or anything close to it. But I, I do think uh, they are gonna. I mean, the first thing Howie Roseman said in his opening statement in uh, in you know their year end press conference is that they need to get younger, and yes. uh, I think that was uh, the right thing for him to say because they need to get younger. I mean, they're the second oldest team in the NFL and the injury histories and all that stuff. Uh, so they got to get some youth in there, and uh, Senior Bowl is going to be big in terms of, um, uh, I think there's actually a lot of decent players that are going to the Senior Bowl this year. So uh, it should be a fun year there this year. And I'm going. So I'll have, uh, I may do, maybe I'll bring my uh, microphone and I can do a podcast from there with you. Well, you should. And, well, Kiss and Solak, I think, will be there. Oh, they will. Okay. So, so then you can, maybe you can get together with those guys and uh, get something together with them, too. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, this has been... BGN Radio episode 102. Thank you for supporting, subscribing, downloading, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff. We'll be back talking Eagles with you next week. Maybe, I don't know, it could be an emergency podcast before then. Who knows? But uh, definitely back next week at the very latest. So we will talk to you then. Goodbye. Bye. BGN.